Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Kara, and we're two homeschooling moms doing this homeschooling thing right beside you. We don't have it all figured out, but one thing we know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Hey, Kate. Hey, Kara. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. We're talking to Shauna today. One of my favorite people. I know. We just love her. And she was on an episode a while back. I don't remember which one, but we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, she <laughs> it was, was one good. Of our, yeah, one of our early guests. And it, it was a great episode. And today we get to talk to her about her brand new book. It's so good. It's so good. Such a helpful resource for parents. And I don't know how she finds the time to write a book, but I'm really glad she did. <laughs> She's just such a creative educator and so relatable and so honest. And it's just so nice to see honesty. Yes. In general, just in life. (laughs) Yeah. Such a compassionate mom. I really admire how she's raising her boys. And yeah. Um, So Shauna, for people who don't know her, Shauna Wingert writes about motherhood, special needs, and the beauty of everyday messes at nottheformerthings.com. We work with her over at Simple Homeschool, um, but she has been all over the place. She's been on Today.com, Autism Speaks, The Mighty for Every Mom, and The Huffington Post. And she has two other books, and now this is her third book. So should we jump in and give her a call? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Hi, Shauna. It's good to see you and talk to you again. Oh, it's fun to have you here. Thank you for coming back. I couldn't wait to be back on again. I'm like, I'm like a homeschool cousin. It's like visiting family today. I'm like, awesome. Um, okay. So for the people that might not have listened to the last episode or might not be familiar with your, your work and who you are and everything, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Of course. Yeah. My name is Shauna Wingert and I am married to a voice actor in Southern California named Mick. He does lots of different voices for cartoons and movies, animated movies and that kind of thing. So we, our life sort of um, is halfway between homeschooling and halfway between all that crazy stuff that happens in the industry here. I have two boys that are older than the last time that I spoke with you guys. I think they're like two years older now. So my oldest is now 15 and my youngest just turned 12, which is kind of crazy. Uh, we have homeschooled my youngest all the way through. He's never been in um, any sort of formal school setting other than some Montessori preschool. And my oldest was actually in public school all the way up until third grade when we made the decision to pull him out. I blog and write at nottheformerthings.com all about homeschooling these two kids. They're pretty phenomenal and sort of all over the place in terms of their abilities and their needs. Uh, They do have a lot of special needs diagnoses, but they also have some pretty outrageous intellectual abilities and interests and that kind of thing. So I write a lot about what it looks like to take all of that into account and you know, have fun and learn along the way. So that's what we do. That's our family. I love your strengths and weaknesses post that you wrote for Simple Homeschool. We'll have to link to that in the show notes because I I just think you have such a wonderful perspective and 
such love for your boys and it just comes through in that post. I do. I, you know, I adore these kids. They're, they amaze me every single day. Like there are things that I see, uh, not just in their intellectual ability, but in their persistence and in their tenacity and in their sense of humor and, and all of that, that, you know, when you, when you step outside of the daily mom life, that can be such a grind and really start to look for things that are strengths, start to look for things that if someone else did that as an adult, I would be impressed with it, or I would think that was really cool. Um, it changes, I think, the way that, that I approach them and the way that I teach them and the way that I mother them. And I will say this, it is easier as they get older. Like you do see it more and more and more as they get older and older and their personalities really start to come out and they start to have their own ideas and opinions about everything in the <laughs> land. Um, yes. <laughs> it's, it's easier to start to, to make that transition to seeing the the things that make them unique and make them great as opposed to, you know, being a mom and trying to focus on all the things that we need to teach and manage them through and discipline through and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think as they get older, it's a little bit easier for me to make that shift than it was even probably when I wrote that post, honestly, cause that was a couple of years ago. So, but yeah, I actually have been thinking about, um, doing either a series or something on strengths-based homeschooling, because that is so much of what we do is looking at where they're naturally strong and then applying learning in that area so that it carries them through, uh, even their areas of weakness. And it works really well. I mean, that's the thing. I think once you get used to it and you stop being so scared of what happens if he's behind in this area, it's, it's pretty impressive to see the progress that kids can make when we are really championing, championing, Championing. <laughs> I don't even know. Championing. I don't know. When we are focusing on their strengths and then, <laughs> and then um, using those strengths to provide a way to help them learn. Yes. You need to write that series. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I really want to. I, you know, in my spare time, I'm all over it. I just can't wait. <laughs> well, you, yeah, I would love to. <laughs> Yeah. And you just wrote, you just had an awesome series on your blog too about anxiety, which was yes. incredible. So we're going to have to link to that too. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's a biggie around here. Yeah. So learning how to deal with that and manage it and live in spite of it and all of that type of good stuff has been, um, has been a big part of our learning around here, my own learning in particular, for sure. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Well, I know you don't have a ton of time to write a brand new series right now because you just had a brand new book come out, <laughs> I did, I did. <laughs> which we wanted to talk so to you good. about. Yes, it is amazing. It's called parenting chaos, practical support and encouragement for parents of explosive children. And can you tell us a little bit about where this book came from? Sure. Well, I mean, the truth is, is it came from me parenting chaos all the time. (laughs) If I'm going to be most honest, the book comes from my own experience and learning how to help my children and how to deal with the reality of my children um, and their explosive behavior from the time that my youngest was very young all the way up until yesterday. Um, This is, this is just part of what um, what we live with and what we are challenged with on a daily basis. And it, it affects, it affects everything we do. It affects, um, our home life. It affects the way we learn and our homeschool. It affects the schedule that we have and the routine that we have. And the more I have put 
sort of little snippets of our life out there as it relates to this, the more and more I've heard from other moms and dads who are dealing with the same thing. And, you know, the truth is, is I want to be very respectful of my boys. You know, this is, this is, these are their worst moments. And so I want to be careful when I, when I talk about it, when I write about it, when I share these experiences, but I'm doing it in a way that is respectful of their privacy and their own sort of personhood. But at the same time, um, also allows us to engage in a dialogue and, and, and really talk about what works and what doesn't work and hopefully help all of us get better at learning how to deal with these circumstances. Um, what I will say is that my boys are pretty, um, they're pretty okay with me talking about it because I think they do feel a level of respect for their needs. And I think as they get older, they're learning to recognize um, that this is that this is significant what they deal with on a regular basis, and that it's important that not only we talk about it in our family, but ultimately that the that the world at large understands um, these differences, and hopefully in the long run will be better and more adept at dealing with them in a public way. So that's that's where the book came from. It literally came from me needing it <laughs> and wanting to have like literally wanting to have a place where I could go in the moment when things are, you know, come going off the rails, we're all a hot mess. I just wanted to have a resource where I could go back and remind myself what I already know. And I thought, gosh, if I need that and I, I write about this and I think about it and I study it on a regular basis, how much more could other families and other moms like me hiding in the bathroom benefit from having a resource like that? And so that was, that's where the book came from. That's where the information came from. And it's why I wrote it in the first place. I just think you're going to help so many people with this. That's what I, I was thinking the entire time I was reading it. And I know as somebody who has some kids that are prone to some explosive behavior too, it is so hard in that moment as it's happening to be able to separate yourself and think, okay, this, and not react and think this is what I should be doing because right. it can trigger you as a mom, Absolutely. you know, based on a whole variety of different things, but it's just really nice to have those steps laid out. I hope so. I will say this too. When I would say when my oldest was probably about eight or nine is when things really escalated. Um, I, I truly believe that there is a link between hormones <laughs> in the biggest way and this type of behavior. It's certainly true for me. Like I'm more likely to be explosive and, and not in control when I'm, you know, hormonal and all yeah. of that type of good stuff. And I think it's not different for our children, but when my youngest started getting just the little, the little entry into that, that season of life, um, <laughs> things got really dramatic in our house very quickly. And what looked like um, more sort of tantrumy meltdowns, I wouldn't call them tantrums because they weren't, they weren't caused by him sort of demanding to get his way. It was caused by a variety of other circumstances, but tantrumy meltdowns suddenly turned into um, aggressive and, and almost violent meltdowns. And I remember going online and struggling to find anything that would talk about this. I knew about the explosive child. I'd read the explosive child. I thought it was very, very helpful. It is a wonderful resource and it's very specific about if this, then this, like do this and then do this. And so I actually don't get a lot into that in the book because there's, there's a great resource out there that I think everyone should read. What I couldn't find is another mom saying, 
this actually happened in my house. My son actually broke the window. My son put a hole in the wall. Um, you know, my daughter scratches herself and scratches me. That wasn't out there. And more than that, what I wanted was someone to say, and when that happens, this is how I feel. And this is how I want to respond. And this is how I respond and, and all of that. And so that's, you know, that's part of the impetus of the book as well is just recognizing that there is, there is so much of a need, I think, for moms in general, to be sure, but especially moms in these circumstances to sort of eliminate the shame and the, and the quietness that comes from this topic and just sort of put it out there that, you know, you're not the only one. Your kid is not the only one. This happens, and it happens more frequently than anyone ever lets on. I genuinely believed I was the only one. I thought that we were such a tiny, 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 maybe like the smallest percentage in the land, and that we were headed for a lifetime of despair and legal action and all of that. I mean, I, when he was eight, I let it go and, and thought it was... Um, I, I was hopeless. I thought that we were headed for a lot of trouble, but the more I learned about it and the more I understood what was causing some of the behaviors, the better I was able to respond and the better I was able to respond, the more I saw him respond and, and so on and so forth. So I can honestly say now, seven years later that for my oldest, he's doing very, very well. And he has learned coping mechanisms throughout the way that make me less likely to be the one stepping in and he's more able to calm himself down. And now we're working with his younger brother. It's <laughs> <laughs> all a process. Um, can we talk about some of the reasons for the explosive behavior? Sure. You know, I can only speak to my experience, so I do want to throw that out there. Like, although um, I studied to be a special education ed educator, I've worked with kids for a large portion of my life. And I've worked with my own kids, you know, their whole lives. This is my writing is purely from my own experience. It's taking what's out there and applying it and then sharing the results with whomever would like to read it for us. Um, and just sort of through trial and error, what I have discovered to be the primary reasons for explosive behavior are either um, number one, sensory dysregulation. So when my children are overwhelmed from a sensory perspective, whether that be um, the amount of noise that they're getting in terms of input or tactile stimulation sometimes, if they've got a tag or socks or something's just not working in terms of the way their body feels, um, sometimes it's even just their body just feels wrong. It feels dysregulated and they need more input from a sensory perspective. Um, that, that is a big trigger and it's one that can be hard to catch, especially if it's just my body feels weird. You know, I don't know that what I need is to go lift something heavy or jump on the trampoline or whatever it is. And so I'm just going to start losing it. And my mom's going to look at me like, what is wrong with you? Like what just happened? Um, I would say in, in my experience, that's at least 30 to 35% of the meltdowns we have around here are related to sensory input. And that makes me sad because that's so not their fault, right? Like that is, that is something that deeply affects them, but they don't necessarily have control over it. They have ways that they can respond to it. They have things that they can do. And I have things that I can do to help them with it, but that is totally just them being at the, the whim of their own bodies and their own sensory system. And it's so hard. 
Um, for us, in addition to um, the sensory dysregulation, we get a lot of dysregulation around rigid thinking and change. So I would say if the other one is 35%, this is at least 50. So what that looks like for us is um, either they have a big plan about a big project that they're working on and they're super excited and everybody's way in and we're having a great time and I'm taking pictures and I'm excited to have them on Instagram and they're excited and look at this and look at that. And then one thing doesn't go the way it was supposed to. The, you know, the Harry Potter wand that we were making out of clay doesn't have the point exactly the way that he wanted it. And it's like, it's like literally in one second, everything changes because it didn't go the way that it was supposed to go. And that can cause almost an immediate meltdown, um, because of that. And then all, it all goes down, right? Like the wand is broken and there's stuff thrown all over the place. And his body literally is just out of control as he's dealing with that. Or like the one thing goes wrong or, um, the, the routine and the plan is different. So weekends are very difficult for us because we tend to be pretty structured when my husband's gone Monday through Friday. And then weekends are, are days to relax and there are days to hang out and do stuff with him, but that's not the routine. And so, uh, for a long time, weekends were like the most miserable in our home and for my poor husband, can you imagine? Like he's gone a week and then he comes home on the Tuesdays, but his years are like the worst days. Welcome home. <laughs> family is crazy. Um, so we've learned to, you know, keep parts of the routine on the weekend, but that change in routine and schedule is, is a big indicator as well. And then the last sort of category that I would put in is just sort of emotional dysregulation. So that would be, they're feeling anxious and they don't know why, or, um, something happened with a friend or with me or with their dad or with whatever. And they don't know quite how to compensate for that or how to deal with it and how to cope with it. And so what happens in my experience is that builds up and builds up and builds up. And without any sort of way of knowing on my part to talk to them about it or without them knowing how to reach out for help, what happens is that buildup eventually turns into an explosion and has a meltdown. So those are kind of the three big ones around here. And I don't know, I'm trying to think if there's any other, I don't know, that those are the three that I would say probably cover Mm -hmm. 99.9% of what we see. You really, you, two things came to mind as you were talking about this. And the first is that your book offers such a compassionate look at this. And I know it's because of the love you have for your boys. I mean, that comes through so clearly in your writing, but, um, it can be really hard to have compassion when your child is out of control, you know, and you talk about that honestly and and your struggle with that but also give tips that are so kind and so supportive of your kids and so understanding and so that was the other thing that you know I was thinking is that it's like you made me think as I was reading your book of like an iceberg you know it's like what we see you know of the iceberg is up here we see the behavior but everything that's going on underneath is so much more complex than that And just the fact that you have, like, taken so much time to learn about your boys and to learn these things and to figure things out, 
I, I mean, it's just amazing to me. And I just know that it's going to be so helpful to other parents to read about that. So thank you. I really mm-hmm. hope so. The iceberg analogy is wonderful. You should have written the book because that is great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly what it's like. Thank you for saying that. And I take it as a huge compliment and it is an example of what I've been working on for years. And the truth is, is that the reason why I'm able to speak about it in, um, in the way that you're describing this compassionate, trying to get to the bottom of an understanding way is because nothing else worked. You know, this is, this mm-hmm. is an example of desperation, not me being mother Teresa, honestly, like <laughs> I, <laughs> I would like to be like that. I would like to naturally be that way. But the truth is, is my boys, um, probably do have a more significant level of this type of behavior because I have one on the autism spectrum, because I have one with a mood disorder than most of your listeners are going to have. But the truth is, is that the behaviors are the same. They're caused by the same thing. And the response is the same across all of us when we see explosive children um, in our homes and when we're trying to figure out how to best help them and how to help ourselves. Most of this, my boys have taught me through trial and error. Most of this is me focusing on the top of the iceberg for way too long and realizing that we're all going to sink if I don't start trying to get to the bottom of what's really here. Um, And so, and I'm so grateful that we've been able to do that. I'm grateful that we homeschool, that I have the opportunity to observe their behavior all the time. I'm grateful that, um, you know, every, every day in, in this journey of ours has brought more and more understanding and more and more of those moments where I go, Oh, you know what? This is such a silly story, but I'm going to share it because it's an example of what happens over time when you start looking for the bottom of the iceberg, right? My son used to melt down in the car every time we drove by Wendy's. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure it out. This is my oldest. My youngest loves him some Frosties. Like at Halloween time, when they hand out those little tickets where you can go get a new little Frosty. Oh my gosh, it's his favorite. He like stockpiles them. Every time he wants the 50 cent Frosty, he goes, he gets it free, he loves it. But his oldest brother is freaking out. We finally figured out it's the smell inside of Wendy's. Not that there's anything wrong with Wendy's, but my son's sense of smell is so strong that whatever it is, their grill, their meat, their cleaners, whatever it is, there's something in there that has a particular smell and he absolutely cannot tolerate it. And so we would drive by a Wendy's and I don't even know that he would connect that, ooh, I don't like the smell there, it would just start to bring up that fight or flight instinct in him. Like, I can't go even near that place. And he would start to have this explosive behavior. It took years for me to figure out why Wendy's. Like, I don't understand. We started avoiding it just because, you know, we would take his little brother, like, through the drive-thru really fast or whatever. There would be no no practice on a regular basis until we got to the bottom of this. But once we figured it out... It was so simple and it was so simple to help him, like to connect the dots. Like we're driving by, but we're not going there. You don't have to smell it. Or your brother wants a frosty. We're going to go through the drive-thru. Can you still smell it when we're in the drive-thru? Is it not as bad? Could you have some lavender essential oil on when we go through the drive-thru so your brother can have a frosty? Like it's so, it's such a small example, but it's illustrative of how, how much there really is under the surface and how beneficial it's been for me to spend some time trying to connect those dots. And there are still dots that are dangling out there where I can't quite, 
can't quite figure out what it is that's that's causing it. I might have an inkling, like I think this is a sensory thing, or I think this has to do with anxiety. But um, you know, I'm still it's still a work in progress in terms of figuring out what the best solve is for it. But I'm grateful that we've had the opportunity to do that, and that I have the time and space to be able to be home with them and, and figure it out. So, I love that story, and I love that throughout the book how you focus on yes, this behavior is really hard for us as parents, but as hard as it is for us, it's a gazillion times worse for the child who's experiencing it. Yeah, it. I mean, it is. I don't think any parent who's ever seen a child truly melting down would dispute that. It's just so hard to remember it in the moment. But I think that was when things sort of shifted for me, was when in the moment I could look at them as my child who is struggling and suffering. No mom wants to see their child in pain. Um, you know, if, if when he broke his ankle and was in pain, I was over the top concerned and, you know, all in, in terms of helping him have some relief from that and that kind of thing. And, you know, it occurred to me a little bit after that, this was a few years ago. Um, I want to feel that way when, when they're having this level of struggle, because for them, in fact, for my youngest, I actually think a meltdown is worse than when he broke his ankle. I think when he broke his ankle, it was just the sheer pain of it. And he knew what happened. He was kind of excited that there might be a cast in his future. And that was it, <laughs> honestly. Um, but a meltdown feels a lot more overwhelming and a lot more out of control. And it feels like it's never going to end. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And because of that out of control, um, overwhelming feeling, I think for my kids in particular, it's worse than anything else that they experience. And, you know, I'm sad to say that for a long time, the worst experiences of their life were compounded by me making it harder, you know? Um, and I still do sometimes, let me just be clear. I still do sometimes, but I've learned and am continuing to learn how to focus on how difficult it is for them because it does engage that instinct to be compassionate and be concerned instead of you can't act like this or you're going to go to jail. Like we need to shut this down and yeah. we need to shut it down right now. Um, because that's, you know, I I've said that many times and, and the truth is, is that yes, when they are older, that is the case, but that's probably not appropriate to say to the 10 year old that's, that's losing it, you know, and just threw his laptop out the window because it's not helping anybody at this point. So in reading this, one of the things I was so, I guess, happy for, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but, um, is that you're also letting parents who go through this know that they're not alone because I think this kind of thing, like you said, you felt like you were the only one. It can feel so isolating. You can feel like so hopeless and helpless, mm -hmm. like you said. And I just love that the book really supports parents who are dealing with this. Um, and you talk about the judgment that's out there and the misunderstanding that's out there. And I just, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that because it's sure. so hard when you already are trying to manage something that's unmanageable and then you have, you're getting side eye at the grocery store, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. or judgment from the grandparents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I think for the first eight years of my being a mom, I believed that judgment wholeheartedly. I thought that it was that my children's behavior was a reflection of my parenting ability and that I was just doing it wrong. 
And so, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to parent differently uh, than what felt right and natural and what, and what even worked. Like I would avoid what worked because that was, you know, coddling them or that was being too lenient and they need to learn and they need a strong hand and all of that. And it felt like, especially in that time frame, every single book, every single person at church, members of my family, you know, everyone was saying they wouldn't do this if you would just. And there was always a, if you did this, then they would do this. If you didn't do this, then they wouldn't do this. And it was crazy makers because in believing that I spent so much time uh, not only feeling terrible and feeling like I was failing my kids, um, but trying to manage the tip of the iceberg, you know, trying to just focus on the things that were never going to get us any, that I can look back now and say, we're never going to get us anywhere, um, as it is. And, you know, that is part of why I even started blogging. It's certainly why I wrote this book is because I know that there's a lot more voices and they're a lot louder that encourage us to parent in ways that are different than what I describe in the book. And I, I mean, even now the book came out and I can't tell you how many emails and comments. And I mean, even from, from people in my life that look at the, they literally look at either the description or the title and say, oh, I would have none of that. You know, like it's that kind of response, like, you know, and we all do it. Like you don't know until you know, if you haven't had a child that is more, um, likely to be explosive, then you might think that if you just did X, Y, and Z, it would stop. And you know, what I would say is I've done X, Y, and Z, and then started over again and gone through ABCDEFG and nothing stopped it until we got to the bottom of what was going on and learned a lot more about how to help them cope with what was creating this behavior. Um, there's a meme that goes around all the time on the internet and I don't, I don't know, I should know, but I don't know who the person is that's attributed with the quote, but it's that behavior is communication, uh, for children, behavior is communication. And I mean, it's true for adults too. If you think about Mm -hmm. it, I may not know what I'm communicating, but I know something's off and therefore my behavior is off. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, the more we look at behavior as the way to understand how to help and what's going on with our kids, the more likely we are to actually figure it out. And so anytime that judgment comes now, Um, I'm able to kind of take a step back and say, you know what? They just, God bless their hearts. They just don't know. You know what I mean? I'm sure I would have said that too before I had kids or when I had a baby in a sling, but that's not what I have right now. And my experience has taught me more than that. Um, And so I just want to encourage other parents who are in that scenario that I was at for, you know, the first eight years it's easy to feel like it's your fault. And every single mom that I know that feels that way, that takes it seriously, that's engaged with their kids and is blaming themselves for their child's behavior, uh, actually probably is doing more and responding more and more capable in some areas of parenting than anyone else that's going to bring the judgment. And so, um, it's unfair that the world works that way, 
but it is, it is what we deal with. And so I do address it in the book and just want to address it head on and say, yeah, it comes, but they just, you know, again, bless their hearts. They don't know. <laughs> you think, you know, but you have no idea. That's uh that was like an MTV thing in the nineties. I think like they would do behind the music, maybe, maybe in the early 2000s. They would do like a behind the music and they'd have the celebrity go, you think, you know, but you have no idea. That's, that's what goes through my head. Sometimes when I get those emails and comments and you think, you know, but you have no idea. Yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe I'll write a book called that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, we're all parenting experts until we have actual children with actual like things going on, right? Yeah. And then you think, oh, wow, okay, this is a little bit harder than it looks. Have you ever noticed on TV shows, like they'll introduce a baby and then that baby's super cute and then that baby maybe turns into a toddler and you see the toddler eat spaghetti once or something mm-hmm. and then the baby disappears and like right. pops up as a four-year-old for like right. one episode and then goes away <laughs> and is like 12, you know, and is like the sassy you know whatever because actually parenting is really hard and I don't think people know how to depict it you know so I would not watch it I'm exhausted there's no way I'd watch that show right (laughs) yeah I don't need to see this I need like no kids on that show (laughs) they know they know yeah so your book addresses homeschooling too, when you have an explosive child. So can we talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I say in the book, and the first thing I want to say here is that, um, homeschooling, private school, public school, some sort of hybrid of it, none of them are the solution (laughs) and all of them can be the solution. I think I need to put that out there because I think that, um, you know, just like homeschooling in general, we always say like, you never know what's going to work. And I know Julie from Brave Writer talks about how once her kids were in high school, they were doing all sorts of different options. And that was so freeing to me when she said that, because I was like, even Julie's kids went to school for a little bit. (laughs) Um, so I do want to throw that out there. Here's, here's what I will say about education in general for explosive children. And then I'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like for us because we have chosen to homeschool. If you think about everything that we've just talked about in terms of what it feels like to be an explosive child and what can create explosive behavior, um, especially from a sensory perspective, especially from a rigid thinking perspective and things not going the way that you want it to, especially from an anxiety perspective, all of those things uh, sort of take on their own nuances when a child is trying to learn. And so, like, I'll give you an example. For my youngest, um, holding a pencil is uncomfortable. And so that causes sensory input that is not comfortable for him or sitting in a chair and being expected to sit at a table can create some sensory input that is really uh, uncomfortable for him. For my oldest, hearing the pencil on the paper is enough to throw him over the edge. Like he can't take it. Um, you know, things not going as planned. Okay. So you think that, you know, this math and then you actually start doing it and you don't know it. And that causes some perfectionism and that's it. We're not doing the math worksheet. We're going to tear it up and throw it instead. Like there are a lot of things that come out from an educational perspective that still go back to those core reasons why children melt down. For me and for my family, we have chosen to homeschool because it eliminates a lot of the sensory stuff, honestly. 
Um, and the anxiety on it in, as well. When I think about it for my oldest, we pulled him out of school specifically because the smell of bleach in the cafeteria, because they clean with it and they should, I'm sure like a cafeteria with a thousand kids coming through it every day. Good thing they're bleaching it. But for my son, that was so nauseating. Um, that he wanted to avoid school just for that. Like he would, he would have school refusal just for that. Um, you know, he never ate at school cause he was nauseous from the smell of the cleaners. He would freak out in class because of the pencil sounds, like all of those types, bells ringing, kids running, kids smelling after PE, like all of that type of stuff, you put it together and it created the worst possible environment for him to learn in. And, you know, I should mention he was a straight A student and was in the 99th percentile on all the standardized tests. So it wasn't that, you know, he wasn't able to meet the expectations academically because of those sensory issues. He was able to do that in spite of the sensory issues and was a miserable child as a result. And I was a miserable mom as a result because I was dragging him into the school every single day. For him in particular, it's been sort of an interesting journey in all of this. We've made the decision to homeschool to eliminate that. And now that he is 15, he's actually back in school on a part-time basis and still dealing with the smell of cleaners, still dealing with the pencils on the paper, still dealing with the smell of other teenage boys sitting around him, still dealing with the rigid thinking. And he wanted to do this today, but they're not going to do that today. For some reason, they're going to do this. But as he's gotten older and as he's been in an environment that has not only helped him in the moment when he's melting down, but also helped him to identify some of the things that get in the way and that, and that are a struggle for him, he's been able to slowly but surely transition sort of back into the world with all of this stuff that is difficult for him and asked to do it. It wasn't something where I said, we need to get you into school. Like I can't, I can't do this. You gotta go. It was him saying, I think I'm ready, um, to go to school. I think I want to go back to school. He didn't want to go full time. You know, it wasn't like a all or nothing thing for him, but he felt like he was ready for more. And so we did it. And I have been so proud of him and so pleasantly surprised to see how well he's done. He still melts down. He still struggles to go. I still find myself tempted to drag him and put him in the car because I already paid for the class and he needs to go. <laughs> but over time, we've all learned more. And so we're, we're better able to handle the school environment. I think that homeschooling for us has been so much less about the academic part and so much more about the like the life skills and the getting to know your own self and your own body and your own mind and learning how to best work within the, 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 the body and the spirit that God has given you and figure out how to make that good, figure out how to make that function. Um, I think that has made a significant difference and probably been the biggest benefit of us homeschooling. There are detriments to it. I will say with my youngest, every single time we go to his doctor's office and his therapist's office, they are concerned about the lack of structure that homeschooling provides. 
um, because he is an explosive child and because he has some um, mental health issues, one of the easiest ways for a child to feel a sense of control is to have a very rigid structure. And that's just, that's not life when you're homeschooling at home. We're pretty good about keeping it as routine as possible. But there are some questions as to whether or not he would be better served in a school environment where it's extremely predictable. Like you come at this time, you leave at this time, you do the same thing almost every single day, every time. And my pushback is always, I actually agree with that. I do think that would serve him well. But when you add in all the other things, it tips the balance. Mm -hmm. So for us, we continue to homeschool. I don't know. I mean, maybe when he's older, um, I might look at it and say, it's, it's time for him to have that. He really needs that element of what school can provide. And so we might look at options for that. But right now, that would be the only benefit of that environment for him. And then there's a whole host of other reasons why I feel like it's still appropriate to keep him home. Um, there's one other thing I want to say that I cover in the book, and it actually has nothing to do with what I just talked about, but I think it's been the biggest turning point for me in terms of homeschooling, and that is that rewards are not bribes. When we are dealing with a child who is struggling, and it is really, really hard for them to get from point A to point B, they deserve a reward for that as much as my friend's child who got straight A's or went above and beyond. And I don't know, I'm trying to think of why they would give her a special reward, won the spelling bee or whatever it is. Right. For my kids, sometimes that's sitting down and just completing an assignment with me. And then you get a reward or being quiet in the other room while I'm on a podcast and working with your brother, even though you guys aren't getting along, that's something that I would reward. In the past, um, and I guess even today, I shouldn't say in the past, all the time I get, you shouldn't have to bribe him to do that. He should just do it. Like he's old enough. He should know that he should just do it. And in a perfect world, he would just do it. But, you know, I don't do my laundry, even though I should. <laughs> we were just talking about this pile of laundry that I have. I know I should just do it. I should fold it and put away instead of leaving four different loads all over my bedroom. And yet here we are. Like sometimes the reward is necessary to make progress, to, to, to get a child to feel like it's for them and not just for you. And the more I've leaned into that, the better I felt. And I will say this for any mom that's like, oh, I'm glad to hear that. And yet I still feel a little nervous. That is exactly what they do. Um, in a lot of cases, especially in special education classrooms. So it's, if you do this, then you get this. If you're able to do this, then you get this. I mean, that's the whole idea of ABA at, at its, at its fundamental like base. And it is done that way because it works and it helps children feel like they have a measure of control instead of being told to do something. They feel like they're doing it because they know they're going to get something. And that can make all the difference in the world when it comes to homeschooling a kid that is, is losing it and that is resistant and that is explosive. Well, and when you're talking about rewards, guess what gets me folding my laundry? Knowing that I can watch an episode of a show on Netflix and that I've got chocolate in my little cabinet next to my bed. So true. It's so true. Or, you know, I'm going to fold the laundry when my husband gets home because it means I can leave and go close the door and have quiet. Like there was a time where I Mm -hmm. rewarded myself in exactly that way. Like, oh, I have to go fold the laundry now. And I close the door and be like, oh my gosh, it's quiet in here and I'm all alone. I guess I'll fold the laundry. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing about homeschooling tool that I will say um, has been significant for us is it does give us the ability to just chill on the days where we need to just chill. Right. And when my son was in school, if he was, if he was dealing with, you know, feeling explosive, he still had to go to school. Like we still had to get it done. And that was it. And I don't think that serves anyone in our family. Well, especially him. Um, if we have a bad day now, we just have a bad day. And you guys know, like my secret is we get in the car and I turn on an audiobook that's usually Harry Potter and everybody's quiet. And then I will drive if that's what it takes for two hours. You know, it's, it's just gas, right? It's costing me less than things getting broken at home anyway. Um, and I can say they learned something, right? Like we were list, we were reading aloud for two hours today. <laughs> and it sounds amazing. <laughs> we, you know, homeschool gives us that option. And I think that that is, that's why we continue to choose it year after year after year, because in the long run, it makes all of our lives, uh, just more joyful. And, and, and it doesn't, I think for a lot of moms, particularly with kids that struggle and particularly with children that have special needs, the bad part defines your life, right? The parts that are hard and the parts that are gaps and the parts that are deficits, they start to take over because every time you go somewhere, that's what you talk about. If you're talking with the um, educational therapist or if you're talking with the occupational therapist or the doctor, whatever it is, you spend 98% of your time talking about what's not working and what the gaps are because that's why they're there. They're there to help you. Um, and help your child with those things. But it's really easy to get super hyper-focused on it and have, again, have your child's whole life be about what they're not doing um, or what they can't do or what they're not good at doing instead of being able to, I mean, we're talking about strengths-based homeschooling. I mean, instead of being able to focus on strengths and be able to focus on just life, like having fun, listening to Harry Potter, whatever it is, um, I think homeschool has given us the opportunity to do that in spades and, and we weren't, we weren't in that place before. I think that's wonderful. And it reminds me of in the book when you were talking about just do the one thing yeah. and how it's important to take care of yourself. And even, you know, we're teaching our kids what helps them mm -hmm. when they're, ha when they're struggling and homeschool allows you that space to be able to focus on the social emotional skills or the life skills or the self-care skills mm -hmm. when you need it. And that's going to help them later. The just do the one thing thing <laughs> is powerful. I mean, it really is when, when you're in that moment, like you were saying, Kate, where you don't, you can't function because you're as the mom, you're so overwhelmed with the needs in front of you and the behavior in front of you that it feels all of a sudden you start playing it all out, right? It's like they're, they're never going to be functional adults or what am I going to do when they're this age or what if they blah, 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 instead of just, what's the one thing that I can do right now that will help with this makes, makes life a lot easier to be sure. And is the only way I have found to be effective in the moment other than, you know, running to the bathroom and getting away from everybody. That's, that's also effective sometimes, but that's the only way I would do it. And you mentioned self-care. I am not good at that. Like, I want to throw that out there. But what I'm learning the longer this goes on, because it's been a marathon, to be sure, with both of my boys, especially with my youngest now coming coming up into that age where things are, are really, really difficult, particularly in the last year. Um, I've started to look at sort of 
self-care, whatever that is, getting away, having time for yourself, having time to just be a person on your own um, as part of their treatment plan and not just mine. Because I think that, first of all, I think as as moms and as a culture, we look at it as a luxury or like as an extra thing and mm-hmm. so not fair and so not true. Um, but with my children, if I am not able to do the things that I talk about in the book to help them, they are the ones that suffer. And so just making that little tweak to how I approach it, like this is part of how I take care of my kids is by taking care of myself and getting the heck out of here on a Saturday afternoon and going and doing what I want to do, um, has, has changed the way that I look at self-care in general. And it's also made me a lot more resilient, you know, in the moment during the week when I can't get away, Mm -hmm. uh, because I do feel a little bit more rested and I do feel like I have something to look forward to. That's all my own. Um, and I do feel like there's, there's a time and a place that's different than this moment that I'm in that is completely bonkers. So I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think, I think it's a big deal. I'm still learning. I'm still learning, but I think it's a big, big deal that we don't talk about often enough. Your book is so, so good. And it's available now on Amazon. It is. It, there's an ebook version. There's a regular book version. And yeah. again, it's Parenting Chaos by Shauna Wingert. And we'll put it in the show notes so that people can find it. Um, and it's just, it's so good to talk to you about it. I think it's going to help so many families. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. You know, I'm huge fans, but let me just put it out there for the world. I love this podcast. I listen to it all the time. It's the same way that you do. So it's, it's exciting and fun and an honor for me to be on with you guys as well. So thank you. We loved having you. Yeah. We Yay. love chatting with you. Um, can you tell everyone, um, real quick, just where to find you all the places? Sure. sure. Um, so my blog is not the former I am on Facebook and actually have a Facebook group specifically about special needs homeschooling and, um, Instagram. I do a lot of Pinterest now because I'm getting, uh, I'm trying to put a lot more out there in terms of what our actual learning looks like, like hands-on activities and the way that I modify curriculum and that kind of thing. And Pinterest seems to be the best place to have that. I will say Instagram is just more me taking pictures of all the crazy stuff we do around here. So if you just want to laugh at my kid being out in the rain at six 30 in the morning on the trampoline, that's a good place to go to find me. Um, <laughs> for sure. I love your Instagram. <laughs> oh my gosh. I look at it sometimes and I'm like, I cannot believe that this is my life. Like really <laughs> go through. Oh look, a fish tank. Oh, a reptile. Oh, a trampoline. Like that's pretty much it. So if you like that type of thing, you'll love me on Instagram. <laughs> well, fantastic. Okay. So before we go, Shauna, is there something that's bringing you joy right now? There is one thing. <laughs> That is bringing me joy right now. And that is YouTube. And here's why. My kids both like the same things for the first time in our lives. Like usually my two boys are so completely different. We can never find anything that we do together as a family. Like it's always like, we'll let him pick this night and you can pick this night, like that kind of thing. And I think because my youngest is finally old enough to kind of get on the same level as his teenage brother, all of a sudden that's changed. And so they grab this, they will watch music videos of songs that they like 
sometimes from the eighties. So I'm hearing like eighties music in my, I can't even believe my luck at this. I feel like it's like a dream come true because I'll hear eighties music. I'll hear them singing and dancing and laughing, or then they'll start making fun of it. Like, Oh my gosh, you have to see this one. It's crazy. Um, but it's just, it's such a joy when our kids get along and for whatever reason, just listening to the music would not do it because my youngest is such a visual kid. Like YouTube is the, is the bridge that brings them together when it comes to that and is making such a difference around here. So whoever the YouTube people are, thank you. Thank you for randomly letting people put up old eighties music on there because it's making this mom's life a little bit easier. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So true. What about you, Kate? Um, so last weekend we went to go visit my cousins that, um, I don't see as much as I would like to. And one of my cousin's daughter is exactly the way she was when we were little and animals just flock to her. So it's really fun. She looks exactly the same as her mom did. She has the same interests and it was really fun seeing my kids with them. And her daughter has a bearded dragon that she's had for a few years that was a rescue and my kids fell in love with it and they started researching bearded dragons and price shopping and looking into bearded dragon rescues which they actually have (laughs) and um you know all the selling points like they don't poop as often as dogs do like they had like they were on it and someone in our town is getting rid of one like doesn't want it anymore because her son isn't the agreement, you know, typical parent thing. If you, if you take care of it, I'll get you one, and that's not happening. So the son's like, "Yeah, you can sell it." I so know. in my town, sounds so like it was meant to be. Themselves, yes. <laughs> Tell my husband that. <laughs> I saw you shared on Instagram, I think in your stories that they had like a bearded dragon fund that they made. Yes. They have a bin full of all their allowance money. That's awesome. Aww. They they actually have, so they have marker boards on the outside of their bedroom doors and they made one of those like thermostat funding things with their goal. It's hilarious. You guys. That's awesome. Yay. Okay, so I can finally sit on my porch and be outside. And it's just been since last week. And I've started being able to take the dog out in the morning and she just runs. And I just sit with a book and read and drink my tea and wake up. And it is so fantastic. I don't think I realized how much winter was really making me very, very crabby until I saw... I mean, I think I probably needed some vitamin D too, but it's just, (laughs) it's a whole new world now that the weather is nice. It's just so, it's so wonderful. We've been outside as much as we can be the last few days. And it's just been really nice. Like we're doing school outside, we're eating outside, we're playing outside, we're working outside. We even cleared off the crazy porch. It's been great. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Well, Shauna, it's been so good to chat with you. Thank you so much for joining us. And yes, yes. And Shauna's book um, is available on Amazon now. We'll link to it in the show notes and all the places that you can find Shauna as well. And that'll be over at thehomeschoolsisters.com. All right, you ladies, have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. All right. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'd love to answer your question next, so head to our site, thehomeschoolsisters.com, and click on Ask Us a Question. 
We share posts over there too, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes so we can connect with more sisters out there. And until next time, remember, you